The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over 46 weeks, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network and the House Show podcast proudly presents to you this look at the decade of decadence. A little indulgence for your day, as we bring Saturday night to whenever you damn well please. So let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The Master Library, Kevin, it's Tricky Hellions. The Educator of Access. And Sweet Maddie Treats. As they bring to you Saturday night's main event. The House Show Podcast Way. Welcome everyone to another edition of the House Show. It is me as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I am joined by my trio's tag team partners to my right is none other than the educator of excellence. Educator, how you doing this week? Oh, maybe we are alive and well, COVID negative after doing a test just to make sure things are on the up and up. My school district's just cruising through this idea of fully remote learning. So trying to teach driver education through full remote means is quite complicated, but somehow we're powering through. Are you using uh, Project Gotham Racing for the Xbox, a little Gran Turismo? Uh, how are you doing it digitally? <laughs> little little Mario Kart does you know does does wonders. Let me tell you, that's excellent. That's excellent. And then to our left is none other than the Mast Library, Mister Kevin Hellions. Kevin, how, how's your week going, buddy? Uh, it's going all right. I'm I'm in the middle of intense negotiations right now, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I picked up uh, the previous catalog, and I'm writing up my list of the comics I want in April, and I I think I'm going to be over budget, so I'm trying to be very nice and sweet to someone. So she says, oh, just go ahead and spend the money. Uh, can I ask a question, Kevin? Sure, sure. So what do you negotiate with? Yeah, what exactly do you bring to the table? Besides, you know, sleeping in the buff, what do you, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you bring into the table here? Um. Well... I'm six one, she's five three. So uh I can reach things on high shelves and clean them. And uh or I could put all the snacks on the high shelf and not tell her. I could I could go the evil way with this until I get what I want. I also have the car. Is your negotiation plan I'll put the snacks on the low shelf this this month? No, it was actually um I agreed to get rid of my own snacks and uh, uh quote eat healthy and then take the money that i would have spent on snacks and fast food and buy comics instead yeah but doesn't she realize that healthier food's more expensive yeah it's ridiculously expensive (laughs) (laughs) fruits and vegetables man (laughs) those are expensive yeah well good luck with that kevin yeah i I know i got i think it's like a 50 or 60 dollar list right now no that's nothing uh, well, I, I took off the I took off the fifty dollar graphic novel I wanted. 
can I ask you a question, Kevin? Now, for for this uh, the amount of money that you're putting towards the comic book, uh, how much of that money is your Patreon money that you're making off your Patreon? <laughs> um, no, no, that was actually uh, Retro Network is one of my Patreon subscribers. No, thank and you. Their support pays for the previews catalog where I am flipping through for all of these. <laughs> so wait, you got to pay for the catalog? It depends on the comic store. My shop, you got paid for. Um, a bigger shop, if you got a pull list there, they'll a lot of times give it to you for free because it's pretty much like you're going to come in with a list of spending more money than what we're losing on this. Yeah. The yeah. shop I go to isn't that big. Very cool. Um, so, Kevin, one last question. Now, for your bank account, wh- who's their favorite wrestler? For for my what? My bank your account? Bank, your bank account. Who's your, who's their favorite wrestler? At my bank? No, your bank account. Is it Pentagon? I think it's Pentagon Jr. Okay. You know why? No. Zero De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You didn't see that one coming, did you? No. No, I didn't. All right. So I got got a couple things, guys. Um, I got a story about dinner tonight. All right. So I went uh, figure hunting. Uh, Didn't come up with any. No figs out there. So I was getting a little hungry um, and decided, let's go to Wendy's. Haven't been to Mm -hmm. Wendy's in a while. It's right there. They're doing two for five sandwiches. Okay. Didn't want fries. Kind of over fries. Like, I wish there was another alternative to fries as a side when you go through a fast food place. They have have the baked potato, man. Come on. Do they they still have the baked potato? I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. Or the chili. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't want anything. So, I said, let's do the two for five, and then I'll get a, a large drink. Two for five, I get the single and a chicken. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta split up those proteins. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta modify you gotta, the proteins, man. You can't go all right. in on one. It's all right. That's right. So I'm waiting. Give me my drink. I'm waiting. They didn't tell me to pull like pull ahead or anything. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Probably like five minutes at the drive-through. No one else coming through. So they hand me my bag, right? So. I get my bag and I'm driving home. So I'm like, I might as well just eat this now because I got like a 10 minute drive. So I'll scarf down. A, I'll scarf down a burger. I'll scarf down a chicken. Like whatever. It's just me. Whatever you grab by the bag first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I grab, I grab a chicken nugget out of the bag. But, but wait, man. Yeah. I uh, didn't order chicken nuggets. No. There wasn't even a pack of chicken nuggets in the bag. Oh, <laughs> random oh, nugget. There was two random nuggets in the bag. Nice. And you named it Owen. <laughs> so my question to you guys is, would you eat those nuggets? They're just random. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You guys would? Oh, oh yeah. I didn't. <laughs> Do you think they put them in there because I waited? Maybe. Look here. That's a little Here's courtesy a nug. nug. I remember we used to go to a buffet. So shocker, we used to go to buffets. Yeah. Um, And Kevin would grab a thinking cookie. A thinking cookie, yep. Yeah. Do you want to explain to the audience what a thinking cookie is at a buffet? (laughs) Thinking cookie is usually, I've already eaten, I've already had dessert too. 
but get up, put coat on and all, you know, we're getting situated and everything. And I would go up and grab a cookie to eat on my way out the door to just kind of think and reset of what's the plan for now that, now that this is checked off my to-do list for the day, buffet check. Oh, really? What's next on the re- list for the day? I remember my walk the first cookie. I remember the first time you had a thinking cookie, Kevin. Yeah. Was that was the first thing you grabbed? Oh, you didn't know what figure you... out what I wanted. Yeah, so you're well, like, right. let me get a cookie real quick. Buffet we go to that. I need doing to... a lap, munching yeah. on uh, a cookie. My, my favorite Mid-step. buffet store. Was it the one my... across from where we worked? Was it that? Yeah. One? All my right. favorite, my favorite, Kevin at a buffet story was when he went to the Panda Buffet alone. <laughs> and he was eating, and he had to go use their public restroom. Now you got to use the restroom at the buffet. You got to go, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize that, that cleared his table. That he was, so, yeah, yep. so they cleared his entire table. I only had one plate. I was too embarrassed to sit back down. Just kind of left, defeated and hungry. Yeah, I always. Oh God, I miss that buffet. Are buffets still a thing? Not until we're post-COVID. I was looking at the one nearby. I'm like, ah, oh, just makes me sad. And really, buffet should have switched over to like the Chinese and Cajun places at mall. Like, just walk into a buffet, go, can I have a scoop of that, scoop of that, scoop of that, scoop of that, pay one That's, price and get out. Yeah, and uh, they're the, still running then. The Ponderosa and Pulaski, they're actually, they're still running the buffet, but they have staff that serve you from it. Yeah. Oh, Ponder, the Grossa's still running around, huh? Yeah. Some still of them are still floating around. Or Bonanza, yeah. same company, different name. Cool. All right, guys. Are you ready for the update? Oh, the figure, the buddy update. We got a big wrestling buddy update. Oh, baby. Okay. I've gotten all of the wrestling buddies, guys. There it oh, is. All of them. They are on the premise C. Premise I. Premises. Premises. All right, we'll go with that one. Uh, I have all of them. I got Jake. I got the Road Warriors. I got Boss Man. Hogan, Warrior, that other one. DiBiase. DiBiase, yeah. I got them all. Nice. Why do I not feel fulfilled with life, though? Because you don't have all the WCW ones. Yeah, it's the next step. I'm only missing missing two. But that's that's why I don't have that feeling of fulfillment. That and you didn't eat the nuggets. (laughs) You didn't Um, get the courtesy nugs. So let me ask you guys a question. Now that I have all the wrestling buddies, what do I do with them? There's throw pillows on your main couch, man. Come on. There's too many of them. That's fine. Um, drape them across your naked body like rose petals in American Beauty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I canceled Kevin Spacey, Kevin. Oh, haven't canceled me. Okay. Um, Sailing so the I floor thinking, like Barrel of Monkeys? Put them all together? I was thinking about putting them up on eBay. What? The whole set. Why? You just got them. I know. How much do you think you can get for a whole set? Five to eight. Hundred? Yeah. You're way off. To have a whole set? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, gonna, you're way off. I'm thinking you could do like 2,500. Oh, really? No. Probably set one shot's tempting. But you just got it. I know. Enjoy it. I always just put it on there with an absolutely insane buy it now price just to find out. 10 10 grand? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious what they would go for. Yeah, I don't know what to do with them. You know why? Because obviously I plan on taking the hardest thing right now with the dating apps, guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
let's get right into it is we're in the middle of a pandemic right so like you're not really meeting strangers but you know the good but the good thing is kevin mm-hmm. is once the pandemic's over then we start the mandemic <laughs> um how wide do you think i have an ultimate warrior i can't find it right now uh, how wide across do you think those are like 10 inches across yeah 10 12 12. okay five dollar foot long what you need to do then is get on your dating app invite a young lady over for dinner or movie or something like that and put six of the wrestling buddies in between the two of you so you can be socially distanced on your date Uh, you know it's funny i had a friend come over for the ufc the other night uh the mcgregor fight he walked in and I have my wrestling buddies. My The way my apartment is, my sectional couldn't fit. I couldn't do my whole sectional wide. So I have like I have like stadium seating. So I have like a back row and a front row, right? All my wrestling buddies are on the back row. And he walks in and he goes, yeah, there's no way you're getting a girl over here. <laughs> He's like, put them somewhere else. What are you doing? It's the first thing you see is DiBiase staring at you next to a slot machine. Then, then you look at Lady and you go, everyone's got a price. <laughs> yeah, what's going to be? Are you going to buy it now? Or um, Yeah, so the way my apartment's set up, so you walk in, you see the wrestling buddies to your left. Then there's a slot machine in the corner, naturally. And then in the front corner, you have about 55 AEW unrivaled wrestling figures. Oh, poor Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> all i got for you guys that's all we need it's all we need to get us going that's all you got that's all you need all right you guys ready to get into it saturday night's main event number six baby all right let's get right into it saturday night's main event number six uh we are in providence rhode island uh the event took place on may 1st the air date is may 3rd 1986 and uh you know, they, they get right into it. I, I found it very interesting that they lead uh, one with a uh, tight shot of the Python, Damien. Um, and they're leading with the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Jake the Snake Roberts kind of feud, especially when this episode uh, match doesn't really happen. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It does, alert. but not exactly. <laughs> not. Uh, and things don't go quite how they planned. Not exactly. No. Definitely, definitely not. Uh, but, you know, we're getting those quick hits. I really liked this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event because they run down the whole card. Yes. Which is something yeah. that they they usually have only been highlighting the uh, the, the main matches. Uh, but they, they run down the home card. They start with Damien, uh, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Jake the Snake Roberts. Then uh, they talk about how there's going to be the weigh-in for King Kong Monday versus uh, Uncle Elmer. Um, the what? The weigh-in. The Battle of the Big Boys. Battle of the Big Boys. How come we didn't name the our podcast that? Battle uh. of the Big Boys. When uh, when I'm done with the hot tag series, when we do season four, that can be the Monday show. Battle of the Battle big of the Big Boys. Boys. It's just situation <laughs> jukebox, but with wrestling themes. <laughs> Uh, Jason, if you're listening, let's do that. Um, uh, they break down the tag match. Uh, then we get uh, uh, we get a. Or, or a Paul Orndorff cutout uh, with Adrian Adonis, which is a great sell of the cutout. It is. It I is. mean, this, I thought this sell was better than 
when uh, Michael P. has A's, Doc Hendricks was asking us if we want uh, Shawn Michaels in the room. But Well, I mean, he yeah. does hype up the cardboard display very well with, quote, I want this man. I've I always want this wanted man. this man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's classic. And then, of course, we end with JYD Hogan and the Haiti Kid. Uh, so what did you guys think of these quick hits right up at the top? Great rundown of the show, giving us a little sneak peek as to what to anticipate for the rest of the night. Uh, really trying to draw the viewer in to make them excited about what to what to expect in the show. Yeah, and I was honestly shocked seeing this rundown um, that the Hogan match was next, too. I really thought there'd be a match and then the Hogan one, at least. But, you know, a, a moment later, Jimmy Hart and the Funks are, are already in the ring. Hogan must pose before midnight, man. Come on. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Of course, uh, no more Jesse the Body, at least for this episode. We get Vince and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, then we get a little Mean Gene interview uh, interviewing the Funk Brothers with Jimmy Hart. Uh, there is a WrestleMania 2 flashback. And uh, Jimmy Jack Funk makes an appearance, guys. Get to see the the third man of the infamous Funk family. Make his uh, make an appearance up on on Saturday night's main event. Is is Jimmy Jack Funk his um, Christian name, or is that the name that he gives himself when he dons the mask? I don't know. Crickets. Crickets. Um, so then we'll have, uh, and then Mean Gene, of course, interviews Hogan. JYD in the Haiti kit. Now I got a question for you guys because I I found this one very interesting. Is it does the existence of the Haiti kid imply that there's also a Haiti adult? <laughs> I mean, yes, it, it is. <laughs> it's like it's like the Whopper Junior is actually the son of the Whopper, which exactly. then you got to figure out the Whoppers are banging. It's weird. Um, no, Hogan is talking about the Funk Brothers, and the insult he uses is he calls them butt washers. Butt washers. Mm-hmm. And Mean Gene could not keep a straight face. But my question to you is, so does, does JYD Hogan and the Haiti Kid not wash butt? I think it's... Are they, it's are they implying that they wash other butts? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's the implication. That's what it is. Not that you're washing your own, but that you're washing another's. <laughs> I was very confused. Soap on a rope. It starts off simple, like, hey, can you get my back? And then it's literally downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, it is. So match number one on the card is Hogan with JYD taking on the Funk Brothers. I got a couple questions for you guys. I don't know if you've counted. Uh, How many times is the word midget used during this match? Way too many. (laughs) Way too many. Probably at least 15 to 20. It's not good. Kevin, you want to take a guess? I counted. (laughs) Well, I mean... Heenan does say you've seen one midget, you've seen them all. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it's one. Maybe if you've said the word once, you've said it all the times you need to. Yeah, no, no, he said it more than once. <laughs> he said it fourteen times. Oh, it was always he- almost there. It was all Heenan too. Heenan oh, was yeah. saying it. So I did like the fact that it was only the heel commentary tater that said it, but still, obviously, it's one of those things that doesn't hold up too well. You know, in uh, in modern time, um, a couple things too that I thought was interesting was uh, number well besides the the fourteen times they say the you midget. Um, number one is who do you think would take the pin during this match? Because who takes the pin is not who I thought would take the pin. 
Hey, you'd expect true. you'd expect Terry to do it, but not Dory. Yeah, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, they make such a big thing out of Jimmy Jack Funk, and then he just shows up. Well, he just randomly shows up at the end after doesn't like, do anything. The whole escalation is already over with. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So, just uh, and, and now, who was that masked man? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you guys think of this opener? Uh just it's for me just crazy to see. Hogan, the then WWF champion, locking up with former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, he's referred to as a Haas Funk here, but it's Dory Funk Jr. It's just a crazy clash of, of generations. Uh, the past of, of professional wrestling versus, you know, the current uh, scheme of professional wrestling, at least in Vince McMahon's eyes. Just crazy to see these two lock up and, and go back and forth in the ring. Yeah, I mean, I've always seen Terry Funk as a wrestler, and Hogan is a sports entertainer, and yet there's a difference. Yes, there's bleed over and crossover and stuff, but for, you know, Hogan, I would never put on a great wrestler list, but I could put Funk on one. Um, and I'm not saying Funk's not entertaining, but it just doesn't seem like they should be in the same company at all. Right. All right, educator. Why don't you go ahead and set the tone? All right. So during the entrance, we see uh, Terry Funk attempt to attack JYD in the ring. JYD is able to counter with a body slam to Terry Funk and then to Haas Funk. And then a second round of body slams of ter- Terry Funk and Haas Funk. We see Hulk Hogan in the ring drop down to all fours with a chain around his neck. And he ends up doing the doggy headbutt to both Terry Funk and Haas Funk to scatter them from the ring. Eventually, the match starts with Haas Funk in the ring with JYD. Junkyard Dog is able to reverse a slam attempt by Haas Funk to start off the match. Terry Funk eventually tags in, does a collar and elbow tie-up with JYD, and we see uh, JYD backed into the corner. Terry Funk does an Irish whip to JYD into the opposite corner. Funk goes to charge with a shoulder, but JYD moves out of the way, and Terry Funk posts himself into the ring corner and out onto the floor. With Terry Funk out on the floor, we see him give chase to the Haiti kid. Eventually, uh, Terry Funk goes back into the ring. JYD with another Irish whip to Terry Funk into the ropes. He charges at Terry Funk with a clothesline. Terry Funk's able to get over to his corner and tag in his brother Haas Funk. JYD does the same and tags in Hulk Hogan. So now we have our first square off of former NWA champion with current WWF champion. Hulk Hogan with a side headlock onto Haas Funk. Haas Funk with an Irish whip into the corner. Both Hogan and Haas Funk initiate a crisscross tirade back and forth. Eventually, Terry Funk gets into the mix, and now Terry and Haas Funk are going back and forth on the uh, crisscross. Eventually, they do see doe Terry Funk attempts to go for an attack on Hogan, but Hogan lifts up the big boot. Terry Funk runs into the big boot. And then Hogan charges after Haas Funk with a running clothesline. Hulk Hogan does a body slam to Haas Funk, hits the ropes, and does a running elbow off of the ropes to Haas Funk. And we get a first pinfall attempt for a two count. We see JYD tagging back into the match. He does an Irish whip into the corner and hits a running clothesline onto Haas Funk. Eventually, Terry Funk is able to tag back in. We see a couple of cheap shots to JYD. Funk's tag up together into a double team clothesline to knock JYD down to the canvas. Junkyard Dog is able to roll around and eventually recover and reverses an Irish whip into the corner. 
Haas and uh, Terry Funk end up doing uh, a dipsy do over the top and get strewn out onto the floor by both the Junkyard Dog and Hulk Hogan. And during this melee, we see Jimmy Hart actually attack the Haiti kid who is on the ring apron with the branding iron during that ensuing melee. We hear Bobby Heenan on commentary say, boy, he harpooned that little specimen, didn't he? We end up going to a commercial break where we see Junkyard Dog carrying the Haiti kid back to the locker room. Coming back from commercial, Hulk Hogan's in the ring by himself, battling both of the Funks. He body slams Haas Funk. He knocks Terry Funk off of the apron. We see uh, Haas Funk able to recover and does a few forearms to Hogan to get him into the corner. He does a front suplex attempt to Hogan, but Haas Funk is not successful. Hogan ends up reversing it, taking Haas Funk over, goes for a pinfall attempt, and gets a two count. Haas Funk sends Hogan into the ropes, uh, through the ropes to the floor, where we see then Terry uh, Terry Funk and Jimmy Hart double-team kick a downed Hogan. Eventually, Terry Funk starts dragging Hogan uh, over towards the ring, uh, the ringside um, rail and hits him with the branding iron. Eventually, Junkyard Dog makes his way over for a save. He ends up body slamming Terry Funk in the aisle way, picks up Terry Funk, does an Irish whip towards Hulk Hogan, who then back body drops Terry Funk up and over onto the floor. Eventually, back into the ring, Hulk Hogan does an Irish whip and a big boot to Haas Funk. Hogan tags in the Junkyard Dog, and then all of a sudden, mysteriously, the Haiti Kid has now returned his way back from the locker room and is now standing in the corner ring apron for Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog is tagged in. We see a corner Irish whip to Haas Funk. He charges in, and Haas Funk hits him with a stiff right hand to the throat. Terry Funk eventually tags back in, and he does a bunch of right hands to stagger the Junkyard Dog. Terry Funk with an Irish whip, and both men swing for a clothesline, and they end up knocking each other down. We see Terry Funk able to recover first. He does a body slam to the Junkyard Dog. He climbs to the top rope, attempts to go for a top rope splash, but the Junkyard Dog moves out of the way. Uh, eventually, Hogan is tagged in. Hogan charges after uh, Funk with a big clothesline. He hits uh, the big uh, top rope, or the, he hits the ropes and hits the big leg drop and a one, two, three pinfall onto Haas Funk. Post match, we end up seeing Jimmy Hart, or I'm sorry, uh, pinfall onto Terry Funk. Post match, we see Jimmy Hart knocking down the Haiti kid, attempt to brand him, uh, allow Terry Funk to brand him with the branding iron, but Hulk Hogan is able to make the save. Eventually, the Haiti kid runs and escapes back to the locker room, and the faces scare off the heels, even though uh, Jimmy Jack Funk comes to ringside and into the ring. Post-match celebration, Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Dog celebrate with while Grab Them Cakes is playing in the background. Hogan is posing, Junkyard Dog is dancing, and eventually we see the Funky Chicken by Hogan doing the double bicep pose. So when the match started, like we were talking about, or I was talking about earlier, um, Funk's being wrestlers, Hogan being sports entertainer. I did like, I'll call it kind of like the house show, not us house show, but a house show, comedic goofing around spots. Um, the Funk's running the ropes and Hogan just kind of letting them and watching. Uh, Hogan and JYD kind of switching up moves with uh, Hogan doing the headbutt and stuff. It was just kind of silly comedic, but it, it was surprising. I'm like, this is the opening match on Saturday night's main event. And you're going for 
like the comedy spots. I was just a little shocked by it. And then when the match gets serious, honestly, I felt like it couldn't reach its full potential because there was so much wrapped around the Haiti kid and this storyline and the funks attacking him and heart attacking him and JYD and Hogan having to save him. Then we got to carry him to back and then he has to come back out. Like Haiti kids, the star of this match for reasons. I don't know why. And it just took away from what could have been an actual good match here. You know, good entertaining match. It is like, as we're seeing though, it is Saturday night's main event where have we had a match go over like five, six minutes either though. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun sports entertainment match. Um, that was about it. I didn't think it was anything great or memorable personally. Um, you know, the funks really do make the match though, especially, uh, Jimmy Jack, <laughs> Jimmy Jack funk shows up at the end. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, I made it looking to make some money and go to the pay window. Yeah. So I had a flat tire. Who said I had four flat tires? I said I had a flat tire. That's an Easter egg for people that listen to all of our seasons. That's so. right, baby. All right. So why don't we move on to Battle of the Big Boys? Um, can we talk about this weigh-in real quick? Uh, <laughs> Bundy weighs in. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever, of course. 468. Bundy's, Bundy's with Bobby's brain. Uncle Elmer, though. Why have we not gotten a Reekside collectible elite Uncle Elmer figure yet? I have no I, idea. I want it Uncle Elmer itself, man. with his accessory being the giant bowl of uh, Uncle Elmer's fried pig parts. Bucket. Giant bucket. bucket. Do you wish you had a bucket of, of you know fried pig parts? I know I I do. want it on a shirt. <laughs> you know what? That actually would be a great shirt. Is the Uncle Elmer. D's, baby. After um, watching that Yokozuna documentary, I got to imagine he had a couple buckets too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I wonder if he had chicken nuggets in his. <laughs> it was fantastic. I enjoyed this very much. I enjoyed the weigh-in. Um, it, it's funny because I know people were getting on AEW for doing their weigh-in with with Darby Allen and uh, Brian Cage for that TNT match just because the of the disparity, but for the, the, the battle of the big boys, this was, this was good. This was fun. Uncle Elmer surprisingly has been very entertaining. <laughs> I, I never yeah, said he, he was entered yeah. an entertaining character, terrible wrestler. Yeah. He can't function in the ring. I just, the, the weights for these guys, I just, it Bundy is so much shorter, but he did not look thicker at all. <laughs> and somehow, Elmer is like 40 pounds lighter with that big old bucket of fried pig it, parts. I'm not buying it at all. What, it, what, parts of the the pig do you, what parts of the pig do you fry? All. Now it's our extra taste. Fried. Bacon doesn't cook itself, man. Come on. I love bacon. <laughs> I love bacon. <laughs> um, But like Bundy at least has stronger, bigger legs to carry that mass around. Elmer looks like chicken wing bones. Yeah. Just continue with it for his legs. It's all about how he can be that big and have that skinny legs. Right. Yeah. He, he looks like a orange with toothpicks. Yeah. yeah. In all honesty. Um, so, so what'd you guys think of the, the battle of the, the big guys? Uh, interesting to see a young referee, Tim white, make an appearance. Uh, and his, and his, uh, you know, in ring, uh, 
refereeing capabilities here, our first uh, sighting, so to speak, here. I'm sure on many more that we'll eventually see uh, throughout our, our show. Not a very, very entertaining match. Luckily, it was quick. <laughs> yeah, I have a... I'll, I'll see if Educator brings it up, but I noticed a big problem in the match. All right. Did you guys think this was better than... The May- Mabel Yokozuna? Mabel Yoko. L- I mean, Luckily, it was quick. I yeah. mean, they, they kept it to two minutes. Yeah. So that helps it out a lot. And Bundy could move. Bundy he can could, go. Yeah. Bundy can go. Absolutely. But I got to ask you a question, too. Okay, so Bundy headlined WrestleMania a month sure. earlier. Yeah. And now he's earlier. and now he's going up against Uncle Uncle Elmer. Like, is that just such a huge downgrade for him? I think so. It is. Uh, I think he got pushed. Of- he got pushed to the moon uh, for for the match with Hogan. We 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 actually get a recap of what ended up leading up to the match with WrestleMania later on in the show as a reminder. Um, but yeah, this is kind of uh, you know resetting focus into the direction of who's going to be Hogan's next feud, next monster, next whatever that he's going to challenge. Uh, we'll eventually see uh, a turn. Uh, 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 coming up that will lead into a future show very, very soon. And, uh, yeah, so we're just Bundy's biding his time and figuring out where to reposition himself. I'm actually shocked that he never went after the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Maybe that would have been something that probably would have been a realistic option for him in, in this run. Definitely not in his, you know, his 93, 94 run with DiBiase and the Million Dollar Corporation, but in his run here in 86 being a, 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 I guess, you know, a viable challenger to Tito um, when Tito had still had the championship. And then eventually, you know, I guess post, you know, going after steamboat in 87, but I guess they went quick to honky tonk after that as well. So. I, I mean, he and family surprised there wasn't a tag title run here. Right. But the, there's so many challengers here. The main event scene has a quicker turnover rate than like Christmas retail. Yeah. So why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, break down this battle of the big boys? All right. So we see a lockup and a pushback from Uncle Elmer and from Bundy back and forth a few times to start off the match. Eventually, King Kong Bundy charges the ropes twice to throw a shoulder into Uncle Elmer. And there's no movement on Elmer's end whatsoever. Bundy ends up deciding to go with an eye gouge and then a forearm to the back of Uncle Elmer to get him down to the canvas. We see King Kong Bundy choking Uncle Elmer twice right in front of the referee for a long four count. Eventually, Uncle Elmer is able to battle back to his feet. He throws some right hands from his knees and eventually staggers up. He's able to back King Kong Bundy into the corner. He does an Irish whip to King Kong Bundy to the opposite corner and is able to follow up and is successful with an avalanche splash to stagger Bundy into the corner. Uncle Elmer goes to the well once too many times as he attempts it again by sending Bundy back to the opposite corner. He follows up with an avalanche splash and uh, Bundy moves out of the way as, you know, Uncle Elmer supposedly crashes and burns in the corner. Uh, we see Uncle Elmer suddenly fall back onto the canvas as a result of missing that avalanche splash. King Kong Bundy hits the opposite ropes, hits a running elbow drop onto the canvas, onto a down Uncle Elmer, and goes for the pin. One, two, three, victory. Your winner, King Kong Bundy. So I'm wondering if it, if it was before the match, 
during the match or just an innate skill that he has. But when Uncle Elmer decided, you know what, I'm going to just sell like every other move. Because Bundy would hit him, no reaction at all. Bundy would hit him again. Oh, right, I, I should probably move and react like someone just hit me. And it's every time, though, it's in the entire match. It's like he just forgets what he's doing there in the ring. Just obsessed with his bucket of pig parts, chicken parts, whatever the hell that was. It's probably because he's supposed to be a monster, right? Um, supposed to work like a monster, take more punishment than a, than a normal person. Yeah, I mean, look at the size. I, I know but he's a not monster like... hitting him. If I hit Godzilla, he shouldn't react. But if King Kong hits Godzilla, he should react. Well, we will find out on HBO <laughs> Max coming May 31st. Our new sponsor, Godzilla versus Kong. So they call me the best in the biz. Um, I'm just saying that's probably why it is. But my question is, how often has he he faced a monster? So he's probably still thinking that he's taking on people of normal size. Not that wrestlers are normal size, but, uh, you know, uh, not not Bundy size. So um, but we follow that up with Mean Gene interviewing Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart. And then we see Paul Orndorff in a steam room with, with Mean Gene. Mean Gene all wrapped up in a towel in the sauna. Just 160 degrees. Pretty Love it. Pretty, pretty steamy in there. I want a Mean Gene figure of him in the sauna. That would sell some money. That's right. See, I was loving the Donna's part of this. His Hey Paula song was fantastic. Um, his his list of uh, how he's going to beat up Orndorff, my f- or uh, sorry, not how he's going to beat him up, but Adrian saying how tough he is. My favorite being, I'm as vicious as a vegematic. Like I, <laughs> I, I want more Adrian Adonis on Saturday Night's main event. This has been my favorite quote find since we started the series. Do you think you would have said that last week? Vicious as a vegematic last week? No, I'm saying just. Because you said you wanted to see more Adrian Adonis. Were you thinking that last week when we no. saw his first? No, now that I've seen, like, now I got two things and now I want to, I'm hoping there's even more. I think as I, a comedic character, it's fantastic. And I, I, and I, we've discussed the fact that towards the end of his career, he had put on a substantial amount of weight, but he is a bump machine and it can move. And the the spot that he does when he gets flailed over the top rope with his back to the ropes, but doesn't go to the floor, gets his arms tied into the ropes and is completely exposed to be attacked by the face. That is an amazing spot. And he hits it so well and ties himself up. And it's just I'm so impressed with it's just what a find. You're right. What a gem. What a find seeing him, unfortunately, so late in his career. Um, I am more interested now in going back and looking at some of his work when he was in a tag team with Jesse Ventura. I, I do want to throw out as much as I enjoyed Adrian, and I did. Paul, Paul Orndorff in the sauna did have a fantastic line when Mean Gene says, you've never faced anyone like adorable Adrian Adonis before. And Orndorff responds with, well, I've never faced fabulous Moolah before either. Right. <laughs> that was that. great. Also, too, at the end of this match, I know you bring up that you know, he was the gaining of the weight. Vince, when they tear the dress off, is just calling him fat right on oh, commentary. Yeah. You wonder if that's a, you wonder if that's a, uh, a Vince McMahon motivational tactic. Probably. And I mean, this is just post WrestleMania two, And he continues with this gimmick for another full year until, 
you know, he shaves his, gets his head shaved at WrestleMania three from Piper's match. All right. Uh, educator, why don't you break down this one? This is your last one, really. I mean, you're going to have oh, there a, will breakdown be a little bit of a breakdown for the, next, for the one. next one, but it's not a full match. It's not even close. Yeah, not even close. So why don't you go ahead and break this one down for us? So we see Adrian Adonis charging Paul Orndorff to start the match, and he ends up getting caught with two arm drags. And, man, uh, Orndorff just tears him right over, and Adonis just sells and goes like crazy, uh, flips right over. We see two body slams by uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, causing Adonis to stumble through the ropes into the floor. Uh, Paul Orndorff ends up dragging Adonis back into the ring by the hair. He Irish whips Adonis into the corner. Adrian Adonis does his Ric Flair version of the flip-flop flousy over the top and or through the ropes and into the floor again. I, one of the things I noticed after that particular send-off through the, the ropes to the floor and the camera pans back to Orndorff in the ring, Paul Orndorff looks amazing in the ring. His just physique, he is yeah. absolutely jacked to the gills in this particular match. Eventually, Adrian Adonis comes back into the ring. He attempts an Irish whip to Paul Orndorff, but Orndorff is able to reverse the hip a hip toss attempt by Adonis and turn it into an abdominal stretch to wear down. It's kind of a lost hold of our generation here. We don't really see abdominal stretches anymore. Adonis is able to eventually take advantage of the referee blocking Orndorff's attempt at a closed fist punch. Uh, by being able to do a cheap shot and to cause uh, Orndorff to stagger back to the canvas. We see Adonis with a hip toss to send Orndorff uh, through the ropes or, or towards the ropes, uh, ready for uh, a, a, a next offensive maneuver. Adonis ends up charging Orndorff after that hip toss attempt as Orndorff's back was to the ropes, but Orndorff is able to back body drop Adonis over the top rope and onto the floor. We see Jimmy Hart get dragged into the ring by Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who ends up picking up Jimmy Hart and press slamming Jimmy Hart over the top rope onto the floor onto Adrian Adonis. And this is to a huge crowd response, a huge crowd pop as Orndorff tosses Jimmy over the ropes onto the floor. We end up going to a commercial break. When we come back, Orndorff is able to pick up Adonis for an airplane spin that sends Adonis out to the floor. We see Jimmy Hart back in the ring to act as a distraction to Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And during this distraction, as the referee's trying to get Jimmy Hart out of the ring, his back is towards Adonis. Adonis is able to pick up Jimmy Hart's megaphone and hit Mr. Wonderful in the back with the megaphone. Adonis uses forearms and a back elbow or an elbow to the back of the head to work on Orndorff and bring him down to the canvas. Adonis is playing it up to the crowd. He ends up missing a running splash from the corner, but he's able to get up almost very soon thereafterwards and pick up uh, Paul Orndorff and body slam him. Adonis hits a standing front uh, suplex onto Paul Orndorff. Pinfall attempt by the referee, Tim White, only gets a two count. We see Adonis climb to the top rope. He does a splash attempt, but Orndorff lifts up his knees, and it really looked like it was a stiff splash, all of Adonis's weight coming down onto Orndorff's body and onto his knees. Paul Orndorff is able to hit a running knee lift. This sends Adonis over the top rope, and he ends up doing that double-arm tangled spot while he's flipped over the top rope. Orndorff is able to do an Irish whip to Adonis after his arms have been removed from the ropes. He hits a drop kick onto Adrian Adonis. Orndorff rips the dress off of Adonis and starts choking Adrian Adonis in the corner on the ropes. 
with the torn dress. The referee, Tim White, tries to get involved, tries to separate Orndorff off of uh, Adrian Adonis. Well, but Mr. Wonderful gets irritated and ends up pushing the referee down to the canvas, and the referee calls for a disqualification. The winner of the match, the adorable Adrian Adonis. I think you got to give credit to Bobby Heenan on this match, too. Just absolutely putting over Adrian, defending him, finding nothing wrong with his dress, with his look, with his appearance, nothing. He, you're right with the selling. It's incredible. But like, he sold the abdominal stretch. He made the abdominal stretch look like a devastating move, look like an actual impactful move. It was amazing. And then what I caught on to for this one is when he's in control, which doesn't last long, but there's a bit where he's in control, it's an absolute switch and all the charade and the flamboyance and everything is gone. And he's focusing in on beating up Orndorff. And that's it. Like, just, you know, more serious wrestling style. I, I'm just beyond impressed with him. And uh, again, because we've only said it, you know, a hundred times already, but God, his bumping's insane. Just for his size alone, I can't believe he did it. For the time frame, I can't believe he's bumping like this. I'd be impressed with bumps like this on modern day wrestling. You know, if I was watching it like right now in Raw or whatever. Yeah, he's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so we follow that down with Mean Gene interviewing Hawk Hogan in a empty arena. Um, and then we get Mean Gene interviewing Steamboat and Jake leading up to match number four which is Jake the Snake Roberts versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, one, did, what did you guys think of those interviews? Did you, any, did you gleam anything from the Hogan interview or from the, the Steamboat um, Jake interviews? It's weird that they played this Hogan interview after he had already had his tag match when it was trying to still con, you know, continue building the whole feud with Bundy and how... He has to overcome and fight for Hulkamania and so on. Um, it just it, it seemed weird and out of place. You would have thought maybe that this would have been played at the beginning and then maybe a segment before he ends up having his tag match to really hype up you know, the power of Hulkamania and how important it is, which is what drove him into the victory with his tag match later. Um, I think it's a great recap for those that didn't have the opportunity to see WrestleMania and essentially how the finish of the match was. I wish they would have done more with the feud, but there's going to be a big uh, heel turn coming up that will set up Hogan's next opponent opponent for uh, future shows on Saturday night's main event. You know, that's an excellent point about the placement of the Hogan interview. Almost makes me wonder if during the editing of the show, they realized they were short. Like maybe they had changed their mind with opening the show with it, got rid of it. And as they were putting the show together, realized, oh, geez, we got to save a couple minutes. You know, we got to put something on for a couple minutes here. Let's just put this back in the program and bury it. Yeah. Um, do you guys know there, there is a lot of WrestleMania two talk. Of course, WrestleMania two happened for, you know, you know, four weeks earlier. Um, are, are they still showing that in, closed circuit at this point like i know yeah. with pay-per-view you would still get you know you'd get replays and different things like that but right, with right. the closed circuit you know having to go to arenas and different things like that um was this really a commercial for kind of wrestlemania 2 i think so yeah i still believe that they were 
trying to make some money on that event that had already happened. And eventually video sales that are going to be, you know, coming out of VHS and for rental or for sales and so on. I mean, back then, but when those VHSs came out, I mean, buying the, I mean, you can, it's not like commercial DVD now. Buying those VHS tapes, I mean, those things were like 80, 100, 150 bucks. It's crazy. That's true. You keep the hype up until the VHS is out, then you get an interest in it. It's not right. just sitting there as old news. Right. I, I can't wait for the uh, episode of Rental Return where they're talking about WrestleMania two uh, making it to the to the VHS uh, on the shelves. So. Oh, sweet! When's that? Uh, any? When, when's that supposed to be happening? Uh, Rental Return comes out Fridays on the Retro Network. On the nice, page. gonna have to tune in, baby. That's right. Definitely so interested I'm, in that show. I'm gonna have to organize my wrestling VHS tapes. Most of them still say Farmhouse on the side. <laughs> You'll have to move them away from the uh, cable box that tells you what time it is. Exactly. I uh, I was on eBay because you know I, that's what I do now every night. Uh, someone was selling like fifteen, uh, just VHSs that he, t- he taped pay per views off of. Oh, I kind of wanted to get them, but he wanted like a hundred and fifty bucks for them for you know. Just seems like way too much considering that most of it's on the network, you know. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I just I'm kind of curious. Yeah. What could be on those tapes, you know? So. Um, so anyways, uh, educator, why don't you break down this, this no contest? What happens? What, what goes on here? I, I think this is a very infamous segment. I think everyone, any wrestling fan, um, knows what happens during this, or at least right. they knew, they knew this happened. Wasn't sure the exact timeline of when it happened. Um, but uh, there was one thing I gleamed off it, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, but why don't you go ahead, break it down and then I'll bring my thing up. All right, so we see Jake the Snake Roberts working his way down to the ringside and throws his bag in the corner, crawls into the ring. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is now being introduced. He's working his way down to ringside. As Ricky Steamboat climbs up onto the apron with his back to the ring, he's kind of playing towards the hard camera to the crowd. We see in the background Jake the Snake Roberts end up hitting the opposite rope in a way so that he can bounce off the rope and do a running clothesline. And he ends up doing a clothesline that knocks Steamboat down off of the apron or onto the apron uh, from a standing position. While Jake is in the ring, he's able to pick up Steamboat, who is still standing on the apron, so they have the ring ropes in between them. Uh, Jake is able to do a wind-up and do a short-arm clothesline to Steamboat on the apron itself while he is still in the ring. That ends up knocking Steamboat down off of the apron onto the floor. Jake the Snake Roberts follows Steamboat out onto the floor and actually sets up and hits a violent, violent, thudding DDT. And this legitimately knocked out Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He did not take that bump the way it was designed. Then again, when ever is a DDT on a concrete floor ever going to work out the way it's meant to be sold and played for for the crowd? Uh, We see Jake the Snake Roberts struggling to pick up a, a lifeless Ricky Steamboat and get him up. He had to deadlift Steamboat up and drag him back into the ring. Roll him into the ring. Steamboat is out cold, uh, so the match isn't going to continue. And uh, we end up seeing Jake Roberts go get the corner bag with Damien, and he ends up dumping the snake onto Steamboat's body, and he keeps twisting the snake in a way so that's wrapping itself around Steamboat's head and upper body. Commentary is just playing it off like crazy on how disgusting and how decrepit this is. 
We end up eventually seeing a bunch of backstage agents and suits come out to ringside because the referee can't seem to get, you know, Jake Roberts off of Steamboat and get the snake out of the ring. And towards the very end, we end up seeing legitimately Ricky Steamboat's wife, Bonnie Steamboat, looking on very concerned, very frustrated. She ends up getting up and leaving from her ringside seat as to probably go towards the locker room to see how her husband truly is. Eventually, when we end up coming back from a commercial break towards the next segment, Vince McMahon reports that apparently Ricky Steamboat had suffered a mild concussion and will be back in the ring in about a week. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to bring up is it's a mild concussion. The dude's knocked out yeah. and he'll be back next week. He'll be back in the ring in about a week. He'll be fine. He'll be all right. Take a little tossing, a couple Tylenol, you'll be all right. Knock it right out. Now, I know I saw the spot and Jake talking about it in some documentary, but I can't remember what it was. Maybe the Jake the Snake DVD set WWE did a few years ago. That was the first time I saw it was on that DVD set, so I didn't know when it was coming. So when it happened here, I'm like, oh, my God, it's even somehow it looks even worse because that was just a clip of the moment. But having the whole, quote, match, now that's much of one and the aftermath of it, too, it looks even worse. Right. Credit to Jake for like, OK, crap, he's knocked out. Um, we're in front of a crowd. Got to make the most of this of what I can. Right. Yep. Let me roll with it. Let me get something going here. It's a for an unplanned segment. It's it's a great one. You want to see them fight now? Yeah, that thud is ridiculous. It's um, crazy, and it's it's something. Now, how long was Steamboat out? Do either of you guys know off the top of your head? Uh, I mean, this was taped. Yeah, it played the next couple of days. I'm sure by the time they did, you know, Superstars tapings, Wrestling Challenge tapings, Primetime, whatever. Uh, it was probably a few weeks before we saw Steamboat back on television and, you know, wrestling enhancement talent or, or even maybe even doing interviews. I wonder if, I mean, he was out clearly, but maybe I was trying to see if there's a whisper, a nod, a, a something that he was able to let Jake know, like, I'm messed up, but I'm alive. I can move. My neck's not broken. Like, if right. there was some sort of signal of we can keep going, but I'm effed. Yeah, it's it's good now too when you have those safety precautions, you know, um you squeezing of the hands and different things like that um because yeah, this is this was rough. Well, well like the rumble, did you see Sasha check on Carmella for that dive spot? Right. And then continue on with the match. All right. Uh we follow that up with Mean Gene Okerlund interviewing Captain Lou with the Bulldogs. And that leads us to our main event of the evening. Now, guys, we have a two out of three falls match between the British Bulldogs and Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Now, Kevin does all of our main events because he is the man in the main event. Kevin, how many notes do you have for this? Out of curiosity. I, hang on, hang I on, can't. hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang all on. right. Um, how many pages do you think he has, Educator? You think he's got two pages? For this match? Yeah. Not this not this night. No? No. You think one page? I think maybe one and a quarter. One and a quarter. Kevin, how many pages do you have? I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna say over two. I have it's it's across two different pages, but there's a little before and a little after. 
So I will say educators closest to if it, it probably bounces out to a page and a half. Oh, well. nice. All right. Um, so anyways, Kevin, you are the man in the main event. So why don't you go ahead and take it away with our Saturday night's main event, man in the main event breakdown. Who puts the man in the main event? It's Kevin Elliott. Who is the king of that nerd content? It's Kevin Elliott. Who has a Patreon to pay the rent? It's Kevin Elliott. Who used to work in a giant tent? It's Kevin Elliott. All right. And, and I mean, on paper, this seems like, it, you know, maybe it could have been a main event. Okay, so Nikolay Volkov sings. Uh, we get a clip of earlier in the night while he's singing. Earlier in the night, me Jane interviews Nikolai Sheik and Classy Freddy Blassie. Match is starting. We have a two out of three falls match for the tag titles with a whopping 13 minutes left in the show. Nikolai and Davy Boy start the match. Uh, some punches, headbutt. Uh, small package only gets two count. Volkov dumps Davy Boy throat first across the rope. Big suplex by Sheik. And then Davy taps to the camel clutch. We are one fall for Nikolai and Sheik very quickly into the match. Shocking. Volkov kicks down Davy. The Sheik beats up Davy Boy. Abdominal stretch. Davy escapes but misses an elbow. Davy Boy Smith flips over Nikolai. Pin attempt, but the Iron Sheik distracts the ref. Davy fights back. Nikolai with a rolling pin attempt. It actually looked pretty good. Uh, Classy Freddy Blassie holds Davy so the Sheik can squash him across the ropes. Davy gets his foot on the ropes. Volkov thinks it's a three and gets distracted. Davy pushes Nikolai into the Sheik and then rolls him up. We are 1-1 tied in the two out of three falls match. Flipping page. Is at this moment I notice, and apparently the announcers do as well, that Dynamite has not wrestled a second of this match, and clearly something is most likely wrong with them. Oh, Dynamite has torn ligaments in the knee. Sheik puts Davy into the Boston Crab. Davy gets a rope break. Nikolai hooks the tights, and the referee won't count the fall at all because he notices it right away. Davy picks up Sheik power slam, but Nikolai Volkov breaks it up. Dynamite finally tags in and is beaten up right away. Sheik puts Dynamite into a camel clutch. Davy's thankfully in to break it, because I'm sure that's not doing well for the torn ligaments. Nikolai counters. The referee grabs Nikolai Volkov, allowing Davy Boy to hit Nikolai. Then Davy and Dynamite switch places. Davy rolls up the Sheik for the pin, and the British Bulldogs win the two out of three falls match. I just want to point out that. Davy Boy and Dynamite switch places, and the referee didn't notice, despite the fact that they were wearing completely different colored tights. That's one of the frustrations <laughs> I have with this match. How do you do the whole twin magic switcheroo 
Well, they not. I mean, which one of the Bulldogs goofed up and had the wrong colored gear in their bag for tonight's show? It just it, it didn't make that ending didn't make sense to me. The other thing that I noticed, and it was super obvious, there had to be some kind of injury with Dynamite because the limited time he's in the match, they're working a lot of like pickup bear hugs. So like, there's no weight on his legs on Dynamite's legs whatsoever. And the couple of bumps where he's like either suplexed over or body slammed, you can see how he lands and how he's keeping his one leg in the air so that there's absolutely no impact whatsoever. Well, I think the hardest impact he had on his knees was when he was in that camel clutch and then was kind of laying with his thighs, you know, down to the canvas. It was unfortunately not a good showing. Uh, they had much better matches with Beefcake and Valentine, and that's saying something. Uh, knowing you know how frustrated we are with Beefer and, and his time uh, in the Dream Team, uh, but I would have absolutely loved to have seen the tag match that they had that we've covered in the last episode. I mean, credit to Davey for going out there and working ninety nine percent of the match for two out of three, and just screw it, we're here, let's go. I'll do all that I can. A, a young Davey boy, that too, you know. Like him, he, he must. Out of the four men in the ring, he would have been the rookie, I'm sure. All right, and that has been your Kevin Hellion's Man in the Main Event Breakdown. Uh, after that, uh, Brain and Vince on the show. Yeah, yeah it's really up. not multiple segments of cutting away and coming back and cutting away and coming back. They just pretty much wrap her up with the fans leaving. The Saturday Night's Main Event, they're, they're a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. They just end so anticlimactic. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, in all honesty, because we're not even getting the most high-profile match. Uh, you know, you're getting the Hogan match first or, or second. Um, you're you're trying to maximize your audience and your time slot. So, you know, these these main events are just kind of underwhelming sometimes. Right. But you know what always delivers? Kevin's notes. Me. Always delivers. So that's going to do it for Saturday night's main event number six, the Battle of the Big Boys. Uh, did you guys enjoy this one? I thought it was fun. Um, I, I Disappointed at the Bulldogs match, but then again, they are working Cheeky, and Cheeky wasn't exactly known towards the end of his run as being a, as capable of a worker as you know he was back in the day. Um the 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 Hogan JYD match it was everything you would have expected it to be with the shenanigans involved and the sports entertainment. Um, pleasantly surprised with Adonis. I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Adrian Adonis's work as we are tiptoeing through this series and just in seeing uh, his abilities towards the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel like I wasted my time on it at all. There wasn't anything I hated. Um, it was also, you know, it's a hour-long show i didn't pay for it nor would i have as a kid you know it's not like seeing a disappointing pay-per-view you paid 30 bucks for or whatever like yeah it was perfectly fine good not like an all-time great one but it was good yeah yeah they're very enjoyable especially because they are only an hour i think that that definitely helps out a lot uh and a lot going on too it's fun to kind of see these iconic moments uh you know bundy attacking hogan uh the ddt to uh, steamboat um and seeing where they place you know obviously you see the highlights as kevin said you know you see this on a documentary over the years but you actually didn't 
see the event that it took place on. So to see the event, it's a lot of a lot of fun. All right, guys. Next week's episode, Saturday night's main event number seven. Kevin, would you like to know your main event? Oh boy, sure. All right, in the main event of Saturday night's main event number seven, we see Lanny Poffo battle Kamala with the Wizard and oh Kim Chi in his corner. Didn't even know Kamala was around. Yeah, he's always around. Yeah, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, educator, anything you want to say to the people out there? Thank you guys so much for tuning in and giving us a listen. Please t- take a look at all the offerings the Retro Network has. And uh, we look forward to putting on our show next week. Have a good one. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you to everyone for uh, following me on Twitter because everyone's doing that right now. Of course, it's at Maddie Treats on Twitter. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, follow the house show at TRN House Show. Um, you know, a lot of fun stuff, guys. Uh, interact with us. You know, we love the feedback. Thank you so much for everyone that supports the show and everyone that listens. And I want to thank my two co-hosts, The Educator, for always educating, and The Mass Library. Just thanks for being here, Kevin. Um, And as always, if you have extra nuggets, throw them in my bag. Mr. Kevin Hellions, why don't you take us home? Complimentary nugs. I like that as your new closer. All right. Thank you to Retro Network for hosting us. Thank you to WWE Network for the content. Thank you to Richard Reader and Jason Gross for our logo. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow Matt at Matty Treats. You can follow me at Mass Library. And MassLibrary.com is the home blog. Go ahead and check out the links in the profile for Patreon and merchandise and all sorts of other stuff. Shout out to our friends over at Odds with Wrestling. And guys, I have to go and get ready for my own way in because next week will be a triple threat battle of the big boys. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.